You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Kura. That's Greg Company, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted it in! And it's over! Ready, set, hunt! Thanks for pressing play on this episode of the 2 and Out CFL podcast. It's Travis Kura, and it is Sheldon Jones. And Sheldon, this is the episode... And the time of year when we got to be careful with what we say. The emotions are running high uh, on the field, in the stands, on X. Everybody's fired up when Labor Day rolls around. Nobody thinks with uh, the thing in between their ears. It's all with the thing in their chest. And hey... I love that. That's what it's all about. That makes it a little bit more fun. <laughs> so let's talk yeah. about these games over Labor Day weekend. I, I tell you what, man, I'm excited to see uh, what the ratings look like, especially for Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Calgary. Man, uh, it's fun. I the, the the hype video that the CFL put together with the stars that were playing in the games over Labor Day weekend – uh, what a weekend it was. I really don't think the CFL could be really any more happy. I I just absolutely love this. Uh, the BC Lions uh, go into Montreal and they win 34-25. It was 17-12 at halftime here. Lions kind of pulling away in the fourth quarter, but a pretty tight game overall. Like, it... It was one of those games where it looked like it was going to go either way. I just want to mention this. I'm looking at the stat sheet. It tells you the time of the game. It says it was two hours and 57 minutes long with an asterisk. Now, the way it's written, (laughs) it says halftime. I thought it said four seconds longer than a normal halftime. It must mean four minutes. <laughs> With the Hall of Famers that they were uh, honoring in Montreal, including John Bowman, the great former Montreal Alouette, uh, accepting his flowers in BC Lions gear, which <laughs> I loved to see. Uh, Vernon Adams Jr., Played a clean game, did very well against the team he used to play for in the stadium. He had many great moments, 21 of 33, 306 yards, three touchdowns. The big number is the goose egg in the interception column, and uh, he's kind of, well, I mean, the one game was six against Toronto, so having none any game, that's, that's what Lions fans definitely want to see. Yeah, and, and he was spreading the ball pretty evenly amongst his receivers. Like, no one had that crazy 100-yard game, but all his guys were helping him out. And, like, it's always tough for BC to go all the way to Montreal there. And so I think, like you said, that showed up early on when it was such a tight game there. But in the end, obviously, I think BC's a better team than Montreal, and they, they grinded out in the fourth there. BC ended up having the first touchdown it was an 11 play 70 yard drive to put them up seven to three in the first quarter but man you're right he uh 
VA had a run on the drive. He hit Justin McInnes a couple times. He hit Alexander Hollins there. Man, he, he was making it happen on that drive to get the Lions up and early. And the thing that I think Lions fans and the Lions themselves are going to want to do is get the running game going a little bit more. 14 carries, 68 yards, and a touchdown for Taquan Mizell. At times, showing some flashes um, of being super, super elusive and making guys miss. Uh, He also did have one catch only for the three yards here, but... Maybe uh, a step in the right direction, a little bit under four or five yards of carry, sorry. But it's been an area where the Lions certainly have struggled recently. Yeah, um, something to build on. They they went in cross-country, playing the second-best team in the East, and they pulled it a W. So I think you just you got to get back home and practice. And, yeah, they got to – now is – the time of the year when the running game becomes crucial. Uh, Everyone says, you know, Labor Labor Day is when the real season starts, right? So I know BC plays in a control environment there in BC Place, but they got some road games and it's going to start to get colder and that's when you need to ground out the ball. So it'll be interesting to see if they can get those horses going. And those Lions, uh, they got bullied up front uh, last couple games here. So figuring that out and uh, having a better game uh, with the offensive line against the Montreal team that can can punish you a little bit if they can get through to your QB. It was a pretty clean game for both teams when it came to penalties. Only 5 for 60 for the Montreal Alouettes and 7 for 45 for the BC Lions, but the big one is the the giveaways by the Alouettes. Uh, Cody Fajardo with two interceptions here. I didn't think he looked uh, absolutely terrible, but he did struggle last time out against Winnipeg. So, I mean, some flashes, some nice things from the Montreal offense as well. And I think sort of a team at the beginning of the year that just didn't have the highest expectations. So uh, sitting here at this point of the year with six wins, I I didn't see the Alouettes uh, doing that. Of course, once they start stringing some wins together, you start saying, "Uh uh-oh, you know. But uh, Cody Fajardo sacked five times. Vernon Adams Jr., in comparison, no official quarterback sacks for him. So uh, Cody taking sacks, throwing turnovers, obviously, under pressure that starts to wear on a quarterback and uh, forces them to make those mistakes for that Lions defense that will make you pay. Yeah. um, I think for them, they're hitting their bye week at like a pretty good time because uh, I think maybe Cody's still nagged a little bit from that injury, but I don't know if it's affecting his throwing, um, but he needs a he needs a little bit of break. I think they all need a little bit of break, but they are overachieving. I think, like you said, but when Hamilton's been playing the way that they have been, and Ottawa kind of really slow to start, they they're they're that clear number two team in the East right now, and they pretty much yeah. have that home playoff game looks like locked up unless something drastically changes in the last half of the season here. So they just need to keep playing what they're keep doing what they're doing and grinding out some wins and then anything can happen in the playoffs right 
Yeah, I'm looking at the drive chart for the Alouettes. It's one of those things where it was just uh, too many threes, uh, two straight field goals to start, then two punts, then two more field goals, then a touchdown, a missed field goal, a touchdown, a punt, and two interceptions. So if uh, in one of the, some, of, I think the, there was a 16-yard field goal in there. So if if one of those or two of those ends up becoming uh, sevens for the Alouettes. It's probably a different game here. Uh, but the leading receiver for the Owls, seven catches on 13 targets. So he could have been a lot, lot better. Uh, or at least they could have connected a few more times. Uh, Austin Mack, uh, seven catches, 143 yards and a touchdown. There was one, I believe he uh, put on the carpet the, the touchdown catch that he made was absolutely phenomenal. So the Owls do have a number one receiver. They got Greg Ellingson back into the lineup. And Tyler Sneed, Sheldon, seven catches and 69 yards. Nice. Thanks, man. Uh, Tyson Philpot, three catches for 32. And big William Stanback, get ready, man. Eight carries, 102 yards, including a 69-yard rumble. Nice. But so, for real, it's actually so, nice to see Stanback <laughs> getting some carries and some yards because Jason Moss, you have one of the best running backs in the league. Use him. That is the best rush we've seen from him in a long time. And mm -hmm. uh, the 100-yard gain, I mean, with – like 70% almost 70%. on yeah. one carry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get that. But, uh, I mean, to see production on the ground is a positive for the L's. And I want to see William Stanback get back to form uh, to what we've seen him uh, accomplish in the CFL before. Uh, if we talk about the Lions receiving core, Keon Hatcher had five catches, 56 yards, and a touchdown. Alexander Hollins, five for 88, the two touchdowns. Lucky Whitehead, two for 59. McKinnis had 55 yards. Javon Katoy, four catches for 45 yards. When that big guy gets the ball, <laughs> it looks like such a mismatch with him and those small DBs. He's probably got 60 pounds on a lot of those guys. Yeah. So I'd like to see 86 get the ball a bit more in BC. Yeah, he's tough to take down. Yeah. <laughs> On the watch, though. <laughs> I, I, I love that guy. Uh, if we look at the defensive guys, look, uh, Sione Tahima for the Lions getting two sacks. Ben Halatic getting a sack. Quincy Moget getting a sack. Woody Barron also getting a sack there as well. Well, that about wraps up that one. Uh, there were some big plays, uh, some fun moments in that one. BC going to Montreal and getting the job done. Now let's shift to Regina. Now at the top of the show, I talked about emotions and being careful with our words. <laughs> and maybe this is where it happens. I even heard a Bomber fan on a post-game Saskatchewan Rough Rider show 
<laughs> he probably should have stepped away from the phone for 24 hours, but he didn't. <laughs> and decided to debate Wes Cates on the radio, which was uh, definitely interesting to listen to uh, about two and a half hours into my drive back to Red Deer. But uh, thanks for the entertainment. Anyway, the Riders oh. end up winning in overtime 32-30 over the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Pre-game, Sheldon, we have fun. We meet our old pals from Winnipeg, Neely and Mike, and so many familiar faces. I always see at the Wayne's World tailgate. Always a great time there. Great burger at Shannon's Pub in Regina. And then Coach Phil making the pilgrimage to Mosaic Stadium from Washington. Check him out on Twitter, the YouTube channel, reacting to all the great CFL games every week. He hooked you and I up with uh, pregame field passes. So we got to walk down there. And (laughs) as level-headed and unbiased I try to be on the show, when I get down on the field and I see these guys they're just warming up and I'm like, are you kidding me? I feel like I'm an idiot. <laughs> like, who am I? I'm just a ladybug, like watching these guys do their thing. And then it's like, I've said some sad things about the offensive line and they're warming up right in front of me. I'm like, well, I'm not going to say a bad word about these guys. anymore. <laughs> but it's oh. so cool. Uh, like, you think these guys are, ugh, I don't know. You get on the field, watch it up close, what these CFL athletes are doing, the size of these guys. It's a humbling experience, and it was cool to meet Coach Phil, too. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, by all accounts, he had an amazing time in Ryderville. Uh, the green carpet was definitely rolled out. They had a few. Sean Bain Jr. and Tevin Jones wanted pictures with him. Yeah, like that. <laughs> When we saw that happen, you see Rough Riders coming over to a fan being like, hey, can I get your picture? Like, that's, Phil, you made it, man. You made it. And we got to shore up those WrestleMania 40 plans in uh, the city city of brotherly love. I I think he might get us in trouble. Like, uh, I go into the big city sometimes, and I'm kind of bright-eyed and wet behind the ears, and I, I, I feel like I need a tour guide in a city like Philadelphia. But uh, <laughs> he might yeah, get us but in be, Yeah, but it, it'll be good to have an American on our side down there. Yeah, that's true. Throwing us what's up. Now, the game started with the Riders going for it. They came out with energy, they came aggressive, and they go for the on or the short kick, the whatever you want to call it. The louder special. And they recover it right off the bat and they tried the long pass right off the bat and it was so so close for them connecting on that ball that Saskatchewan could have been off to the races and up seven nothing in a hurry it was intended for Sean Bain Jr. right off the bat they couldn't quite connect there but you could tell right from the opening kickoff or short kick, whatever you want to call it, that the Riders meant business after the bye, and they came out with all the energy in the world on uh, Labor Day weekend. Yeah, they wanted to set the tone, obviously, and 
and yeah, Bain, like I, I just, you always see the receivers and it's like, they're waiting for it, like a punt to catch it down here. Yeah. I know what you're like, saying. I just wish they'd go up there and get that ball. Cause he, he had it like, and I'm sure he's fight, He's thinking about that too, but he had it. And just imagine like the pop that would have went over if that, like, Oh, I just, I got chills, goosebumps right now. I was just thinking about <laughs> what it would have been like, but you know, you, you get that big, the big high with the crowd getting when, when Lowther recovered that ball there and then to go to and out and kick it out. But like, still, I, it got the place rocking like when it needed to. Right. So great call by coach to go for that. I don't say that often. I know you've been bugging me the entire weekend about Mr. Dickinson, but well, I know Brazilian uh, Ty can't be uh, with us to, well, can't record with us. It sounded kind of morbid, but uh, <laughs> he he's he's alive and well. Uh, he wrote uh, in in our group chat, uh, sign Craig to a lifetime uh, contract. <laughs> yeah. Well, I said to you Let's before the game. For that one. I said to you before the game, man. Craig Dickinson wins Labor Day, and uh, I think it's unfair to expect the Riders to sweep Winnipeg because we yeah. know how that rematch is going to do and how it's going to be in Winnipeg playing in that environment is going to be a tall, tall task for Saskatchewan to win. Um, yeah. But getting a win on Labor Day and we've, but how many times have we seen this where, and personally I've felt it. I can remember the writers kind of, being average going into Labor Day, winning mm-hmm. on Labor Day, and then yeah. me experiencing the roller coaster of let's carry this wave all the way to the Great Cup. And then the banjo bowl comes around and you're humbled in a hurry. <laughs> the magic I, of Labor Day. <laughs> yeah. I can only remember one one banjo bowl. I've been to four or five, and I only remember one where we actually won. But that game was so amazing. That was the the Willie Jefferson strolling down the sideline, you know, picking off Matt Nichols. Yeah. Yeah, no. But, yeah, it's it's crazy, though. I think out of any year, this year might be the year where they actually do have a chance to get – to squeak out a win in Winnipeg. Like – we saw in this game here where like Winnipeg didn't make the same amount of mistakes that they usually do, but the Riders defense was just stingy enough to kind of hold them at bay until then they score a touchdown. And then Zach is like, hold my beer and three plays later and it's a touchdown. Yeah. But, but I think it's going to be interesting because I know we're going to talk about the, the headbutt pretty quick here, but, We've seen, I know I when I was on the pod a few weeks ago or whenever when Zach got hit in Edmonton and yeah. there was no flag, I said, I don't want to play pissed off Zach. But then the next game, I think they played Montreal and he threw two pick sixes that game, right? So mm-hmm. uh, maybe, maybe a pissed off Zach is just the person that the Riders want to play right now. I don't know. And you had, I mean... Early in the game, teams were kind of just testing each other, I think, after that quick start. And 
trying to play a little bit conservative, but then Saskatchewan, which Jake Dolagala in his second start here, uh, wins a game. Now, I think this experience is valuable for the Rough Riders, and there's going to be some hard decisions in the offseason because now all of a sudden Mason Fine has experience, Jake Dolagala has experience, and then Trevor Harris. Like, I mean, if they keep rolling, they beat BC and Winnipeg, both teams ahead of them in the West Division. That's where the Riders have sort of struggled over the past couple of years, being unable to beat the West Division teams. And now they've done it with Jake Dolagala. And I think at this point, everybody's like, well, you got to roll with Jake and take him over Mason Fine at this point. I I feel like the offensive line has looked completely different than when Fine was in there. And Jake isn't always making clean throws. Like he underthrew Bain on the long pass. He's overthrowing guys. He's thrown behind guys. But... I don't know. It's this almost he, I don't know if the team wants to play for him, play with some energy for him. He just seems to be their guy that they want to rally behind. And some things in football, you just can't measure. I don't know. You can't measure some things like, I don't know if Winnipeg has given up many 102 yard drives in the past several seasons here. But that's what the Riders did. They had an eight-play, 102-yard drive to go up 10 nothing in in this game. That included a uh, face mask on the Bombers. It included a big 64-yard play to Tevin Jones. And then there's a another big play to Mitch Picton. And then the uh, Antonio Pipkin ends up pushing it in there and uh, putting the exclamation mark on that drive. But you're right. Winnipeg answers back three plays, 100 yard drive of their own. So Zach was on. He made some incredible throws in this one. Drew, Drew Wallatarski making an incredible diving catch on that play. But the rider D line was getting the pressure early in the game. It slowed down as it went on. But early on, they were in the backfield, it seemed like, almost every play. Yeah, and it, it was really good to see them maintaining that after the, the BC Lions game when they were causing Vernon so much yeah. fits in, right? So it's it's really good to see that they've been able to sustain that because that is what they need to do next week in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. And then the Ryder offense was struggling uh, putting up sevens. They they start putting up the threes, but still, you know, extending that lead a little bit. And then the Bombers come back, and then there ends up being a big pass interference call on number 16, uh, Amari Henderson. So that ended up causing the uh, Riders 23 yards on that one. That drive ends in, wow, that catch by uh, Nick Dembski with Derek Moncrief all over him. I said to you in the stands, people don't talk about Derek Moncrief much, but a linebacker like that 
covering receivers like Nick Dembski. And I know there was the 52-yard gain here. But the way Dembski adjusts to balls like nobody I've ever seen. He's so good at adjusting to these balls that are in the air. He's so good at it. And to cover that and to not interfere with the receiver is a challenge. Moncrief's all over the field all the time. He doesn't get the respect but uh, it was a tough assignment, and it was a fun battle. But Dembski made some big plays here. Well, he and he always does against the Riders. Like he, I, I think he liked his time here, but he obviously yeah. <laughs> likes playing against the Riders <laughs> because he. It's like Getzlaff when he used to play against the Stamps. Uh, it just always seems that he's he's always on. And uh, but it, it it's fun to watch because I I got nothing but respect for Dembski. Yeah. Once a rider, always a rider. But yeah, it'd be nice for him to have a game off against us one of these games. That drive uh, that I was just uh, talking about ended in a Brady Oliveira touchdown. At that point, it's 16 14 Saskatchewan. And then the Bombers or the Riders end up getting a field goal of their own. The, the 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 bombers get one back. It's nineteen seventeen, and then the the rouge. There was actually a, a couple critical ones in this one, including the the no yards penalty in the end zone, where yes. uh, in the stands we're all left guessing about that rule. <laughs> I'm still not clear on it. But I guess mm-hmm. in amateur football, if there's a no yards in the end zone, you it gets applied from the 10. But yeah. then I think when the single comes into play, you can like get better field position or give up the field position and not give up the point or take the point and get the... Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's a lot. I know the one guy on the on the the call-in show was trying to explain it, uh, but it, it makes sense. But at the same time, Winnipeg's offense at that point in the game, they really didn't have trouble moving yeah. the ball. So I, I'm not sure if if o, if Oche had that chance to take that call back. I think he probably would have went the other way on it, just because mm-hmm. that point was so crucial in the end of the game, right? Now, and here comes the moment. It's 2017 Saskatchewan. Winnipeg has the ball on the Rough Rider two-yard line. It is a second and five. Riders appear to have the stop, but it had been happening all game. Zach Kalaros was, uh, he was spirited and uh, jawing with the, you can tell I'm struggling here. Yeah, I'm no. trying to respect the MOP. <laughs> yeah. He he was pointing fingers. He was and, yeah. yeah, he was getting in, in, into it with the defensive line. And finally, I think Pete Robertson said, you want a jaw? Let's jaw. And, and here's the thing. Zach knows as a veteran in his position, if any of those guys lay a hand on him, he's going down, the flag's coming out. Mm-hmm. And... We see it in other we saw it in other games this weekend. The D line or the running backs, those guys butt heads after plays all the time. And I guess that's 
that's where it was really stupid on Pete Robertson's part. I don't think that he had intent to injure him. I I just don't. Um, But it's don't, don't do that with the quarterback. Let, let the quarterback, if he wants to be yappy, who knows what was said, we'll we'll never know or what was being said, but do it with the O line, do it with, the running back, don't do it with the quarterback because that's going to get you in trouble. And ultimately, it got him suspended, right, for one game. Yeah, well, I think, like, the difference here is, like, the the ones that hit each other, like, when they headbutt each other, it's it's both of them kind of coming together to yeah, do it. Right? I think maybe and, he expected and, Zach to do it to him, I think. I yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. But, and, and, and Zach did go down like he was shot, and then – it appeared that he was pissed off that he got taken out of the game for like concussion. Yeah, because he was clearly fine on the sideline. So, but he dropped like maybe he did did get a concussion. Right. So I I think he was definitely embellishing a little bit. I don't think that's, but the hit was hard enough that Pete should have been kicked out of the game. I think I'm actually, uh, I'm kind of surprised that he didn't, Get, yeah, it was stupid to do. <laughs> like, just I know Mister 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 Bomber fan was pretty adamant about the yeah <laughs> the rule the the rule, but he he didn't intend to injure. I think they could they could see that, but yeah, it was a it was a bad look, and of course it has to be another rider player hitting another quarterback, and then that's I know. We're 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 the number one enemy in the CFL again because you know there's that portion of our fan base who are terrible and they love yeah. that type of play like they were the ones who were supporting Garrett Marino, uh, so it's a bad look, but we just have to deal with it again until the next thing happens. But <laughs> yeah. I know uh, I'm kind of we're kind of and it's. Yeah, I'm. I got the Rough Rider logo on my arm, so I get you know some people might not take it seriously. So I understand that, and that's and that's fine. But uh, it, it was stupid for Pete to do. Like it's the situation of the game, that the fact that it's the quarterback. It's it was just dumb, and he'll tell yeah. you it was dumb. And uh, I'm sure I, – I think the one game is fair. I don't think he should have lost a month like some people think, uh, four-game suspension. I also think it is stupid for the whataboutisms, the, the Ryder fans bringing up, like, games from 2018 or whatever. <laughs> like, that doesn't yeah, even no, make I know, any sense. I, <laughs> yeah, like, I sent out that tweet today because, like, it's, it's ridiculous because all it does is make you look foolish, like – it doesn't matter what happened in the past. All we can hope for is that the CFL can get it right and yeah. they can make some sort of standard that they base the rule off of. But when you have different people, you have different referees who are in the booth on different games because you can't have the yeah. same person. Yes. Maybe. I don't know why they don't have games on at the same time, but it's just, yeah, it doesn't matter if Jeff, if Jeff Coat hit Brandon Bridge in the helmet in 2019. Like, it doesn't matter. That's That doesn't help the situation right now. 
Pete Robertson made a stupid mistake and he's going to pay for it. And it's a good thing that he's paying for it against the same team because it, it, there still will be that locker room, like billboard material because they're still playing the riders and it's going to be fresh, but at it least that player isn't there. Is. Yeah. Yeah. But that player isn't there. So yeah. They're not going to be able to fire up that player again or try to egg on that player. It's just, it's just an unfortunate look for the team. But Pete Roberts is not a dirty player, and until he shows that he's a dirty player, he deserves the benefit of the doubt. He made a mistake. We move on. Right, Ryder fans will point out that uh, Dola Gala ended up getting a helmet to his uh, chin, but there was a roughing the passer call on that as well. And it extended a drive for the riders. So yeah, uh, the, the thing that, the thing that everyone needs to just realize Zach didn't get hurt. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a big thing. We're glad that he didn't get hurt, but the stupid thing is that was the second time in the game that a rider penalty extended a drive yeah. that would have went for a field goal and turned it into a touchdown. Yeah, like, that's the weird thing about this game, the fact that the Riders had 115 yards in penalties and beat the Bombers. That The the Bombers had the ball for five more minutes almost. Like, it's just one of those things where the stats just don't tell the story. It was just uh, one of those wild games. And I I guess that happens when the Bombers, they, they did or Zach did throw an interception. Zach was fired up after this one. He was fired up after the Edmonton one, uh, saying that, uh, you know, this league doesn't protect quarterbacks. But look, man, he's he's taken more hits this year, I think, than he has since joining the Bombers. Yeah. And yeah. the Robertson one wasn't his own line's fault or anything like that. It was just dumb. No. But uh, he's yeah. taken more hits this year than uh, he has in in a long, long time. If we want to talk standards, where are we at with pass interference, man? Like, and again, Ooh. I'm wearing the green and white. I, I take my shirt off to try and be as unbiased as possible, but nobody wants to see that. This is a family show. Uh, <laughs> so uh, uh, the, the riders get called on pass interference. And later in the game, <laughs> the exact same, same thing. Yeah. <laughs> like same they are arm on the back. They're almost like carbon is. copy plays. Yeah. And gets overturned on a challenge. So, or doesn't get overturned on a challenge, I guess. So yeah. <laughs> where are we at, man? I, I don't know. Well, I, I, I think it, uh, we're going to show that it's not just the green color because I think we're going to talk about another pass interference uh, a little bit later on in the show here. Uh, but there needs to be a standard. Like from what I'm, what I remember, you can't have a hand. You can't have a hand on the back. That's kind of always been the standard, and you can because I know you need to be able to like gauge where the receiver is, so you can kind of touch. You can. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of hand fighting, but if you have a hand on the back, and you're, like that's putting some of your weight on there. That's that is when the impeding of the the play happens, and that's when the penalty is supposed to happen. Or 
if it's nothing egregious, you just let them play. And I think in both instances, you just let them play. Like, I guess if I had him my way, like the Saskatchewan one, the Winnipeg one, the Edmonton one, none of them would have been pass interference. But no, yeah, pass interference has changed in the past. In and this was before. Uh, this is about four or five years ago when they were calling like everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but now that they're not, <laughs> we're, we're we're left kind of guessing. At least before, it's like if you touch the guy, you knew it was a flag. It was stupid, yeah. but it was a flag. But now, yeah. it, ugh, I feel bad for defenders, man. They're left guessing a lot yeah. of the time because oh, the, sure. the Nick Marshall pass breakup later in the game looked more physical than the ones that didn't get called. <laughs> so yeah. I, I don't know what it is. Like, I, I thought if the other ones were PI, then that one definitely was. Yeah, it's just, it doesn't make sense. Like, they, they it seems like they clawed back on it because the coaches used to do all those fishing challenges yeah, when, yeah. you know, the Even finger the was on the jersey. 40 yeah. yards away yeah. from the play. Oh, yeah. for sure, yeah. And so it's, it's good that they kind of went away with it, but obviously we understand what's happening. The CFL wants points scored. So they're going to tilt things in the offenses yeah, way. I yeah. think. And so it, it makes sense because let's be honest, this week, all the games were pretty high scoring at the end. Like the Ryder and bomber game wasn't until the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. but all the other games, there was lots of touchdowns. There was lots of big plays. So obviously, it's working, but it's frustrating for fans when something ticky tack takes away a- an amazing stop. Uh, like it's just, but it is what it is. We just it, the thing is, we just want to see it called the same for everybody. Yeah. We want there needs to be that person in the eye in the sky who can look at it and be like, guys, is this really a penalty? Like you don't want to stop every single penalty call and, and, and overanalyze it. But I think if, if there's no huge foul, like if someone's not getting knocked over or you can't see like a Jersey being actually pulled, then just keep your flag in your pocket and let them play football. The, the the Pete Robertson drive uh, ended up giving Winnipeg the lead, 24-20, and then the Riders get another single uh, on the ensuing drive. So the singles ended up being really big uh, for Saskatchewan here. <laughs> kind of funny that these singles are good and we're happy about it, but a few years ago we were not happy at all when John Ryan was scoring all these. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, <laughs> uh, then the Riders end up getting a field goal, and then they take the lead, which I don't know. They, they looked like they were stalling, and Jake Dolagala saved his best football for the end of the game. Uh, that's just what happened here. Uh, 24-24 going into overtime, and then Jake Dolagala, he hits Sam Emelis, he hits Jamal Morrow, they get the touchdown, the two-point conversion to Sean Bain Jr., and then Zach Kalaros with a throw to Kenny Lawler right off the bat, and then the two-point conversion ends up falling, and, uh, the Riders clinched that Labor Day game, but emotions 
controversy. This is why we love the game. If it was, <laughs> if you were happy after every game, I guess it would be quite boring. Sometimes I yeah. go back and revisit the office over and over again because it makes me happy, but not yeah. every football game makes me happy. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, it was funny when we were in the stands there and, and yeah, Zach throws that, like, just answers. Like, that was the biggest hold my beer moment I think I've ever seen in a yeah. football game. And then we were sitting close to Alex and Amy, Alex from the Pipples podcast, and he says to us, hey, now we only have to stop him once instead of three times. And yeah. it was completely right. Yeah, that, that was yeah. totally right. <laughs> I couldn't. I know you had the picture that you tweeted out of me not being able to look, but I think that was on the lawn, the long field goal actually. But yeah, it was before man, overtime. Like you could, you felt my heartbeat at the end of that yeah. game. Like it, <laughs> Brent Lawson. If I was wearing one of those Fitbit watches, it probably would have told me I was a heart attack. The Brent Lawther five for five. Uh, that's eighteen yeah. consecutive field goals for him now, including a fifty-three yarder. So a massive game for him. Sergio only had to kick the one uh, field goal. The punters were on throughout the game, but uh, one of the differences was Mario Alford was just better in the return game than uh, Winnipeg's uh, Jamal Parker and uh, Greg McRae. They only had the two kickoff returns, but uh, they're missing Janarian Grant, and when he gets back, That'll tilt back into Winnipeg's favor here because Super Mario, he had the 47-yard kick return, and it looked like he was going to break it. And that west side at Mosaic Stadium, (laughs) you talk about a pop. They were ready to blow the roof off of that place. Uh, Brady Oliveira, the leading rusher in the Canadian Football League, 17 carries, 88 yards, and two touchdowns, an absolute monster. Uh, Dalton Schoen, three for 68. He actually had a costly drop in this one as well. Yeah, and only 68. Nick Dembski, 118 yards for him. Kenny the King, only two catches, 48 yards, including the 35-yarder in overtime, which was... Wow. Uh, Unbelievable. Um, The Riders, uh, they're still going to want to try and have a semblance of a rushing attack in the Banjo Bowl. Uh, Jamal Morrow, he did have a nice 26-yarder. But if you take that away, he had eight carries for 11 yards. (laughs) But the 26-yarder does count, fortunately, for his stats. Uh, but he did have four catches for 76 yards, including uh, a, a big 24-yarder that was pretty big in this one. Uh, Mitch Picton, a 37-yard catch, the big one there. Shaver Baker only had one for 20, but uh, the leading receiver, Tevin Jones, five for 96. The, the Ryder offense, they did what they needed to do. Yeah. Uh, This isn't going to be Winnipeg every week, but the fact is they didn't turn the ball over and five field goals, but Jake Dolagala, 56% completion percentage and no INTs. That's massive. But Mm -hmm. uh, if they want to beat Winnipeg again, and I think we all agree, anybody across the country, the West Division is going to go through Winnipeg. They're uh, going to need to – any team, whoever's playing them, can't uh, settle for field goals as often as Saskatchewan did on Labor Day. Yeah. The really interesting thing, too, though, is 
I like I don't have this the stats right in front of me, but how many did how many times did uh or how many sacks did Winnipeg get? Uh here just a moment, I'll uh pull that up here. Uh, I'll keep talking. So so I thought the O line actually had one of their best games because they gave Jake time and that was even with Cliff with Clifton Kelly getting hurt. And then Ferlin had to bounce out to uh to tackle, and I think he actually played pretty well at tackle. So I think he deserves some props for Dolagal sacked uh, twice. Twice, yeah. So when you only give out two sacks to Winnipeg, I think that's actually pretty pretty um, impressive. Both by Adam Big Hill, it looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, I think that the the O line had a, a pretty good game, but it's it's surprising that Morrow couldn't get more of the 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 rushing yards there but again they just need to keep keep building on that because i i the o-line has been getting better i know when we were at field level and we were looking at them and i it's as close to the opening day roster that they have other than philip blake right who's they say might be back late october but we'll See if that yeah, happens. tough loss for Colin Kelly. I guess he got carted to the yeah. locker room. You want to be careful yeah. with that stuff. But uh, and yeah, Jaden Dolke getting hurt. Yeah. But Jackson Ford came in and he, he did well on game day. Um, yeah. <laughs> when these teams play again on Saturday, I I just don't see it ending the same way, brother. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> But we're gonna buttons have... for punishment. We're gonna watch it. <laughs> I, I'll be there. I, oh, I'm getting yeah. up at three thirty in the morning to get on the Piffles bus. Do you so. drive back or do you stay? Oh, we stay the night. Okay. So, yeah, and uh, but we get back on the road at eleven or so, and then okay. stop at the Red Barn. Up the Red Barn. <laughs> That's, that's uh, what I'm looking forward to most, I think. Let's go to Labor Day Monday. It was just a runaway for uh, the Toronto Argonauts here. As they, There was a garbage time touchdown at the end, which thankfully for my fantasy team, I had Terry Godwin, so I, I fist-bumped that one. Uh, the Argos beating the Ticats 41-28. The big news last week before the game started was uh, Chad Kelly signing a three-year extension. With the Toronto Argonauts, it's worth uh, around $1.3 million. He's over six hundred k a year. He gets a two hundred k signing bonus in the winter if he doesn't sign with an NFL team. This is positive news for the Argos. This is positive news for the CFL. And then his performance on Monday just cements it. Uh, the Argos are going to be a great team to watch for the next several years. And... Uh, let's see what happens on Saturday. Montreal's coming to town. I think they're building some real momentum in the six, and the atmosphere's already great at BMO Field, and now they've got Chad Kelly locked up. I think that atmosphere's going to get even better, man. Yeah, uh, he he's great for the league. I, I think I had reservations at the beginning of the year, thinking that maybe he just wants to, you know, pull a Johnny Manziel and get out of here as quick as possible and get back to the NFL. But I think he's really embraced that, that city, that team. He said he wants to be it's here so for cool. 50 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, but it's, you know, so close to Buffalo. And so yeah. it just, it just makes perfect sense. If they can, if they can tap in that market, like I know everyone talks about how MLSE needs to just put in advertising because they don't do it. But if, 
if they can concentrate on advertising in that upstate New York Buffalo area, get some of those Buffalo Bills fans to maybe come up and watch Kelly. Oh, that'd be incredible for the league. Seventeen he's, he's nothing. Great. Seventeen nothing Argos after the first. Yeah. That that's all you need to know. It it's just the the firepower that these Argos have. And Hamilton's just not not a good team right now. That that's that's just the bottom line. Um they they picked off Taylor Powell once uh early in the game and that one ended up getting uh like the very next play. Yeah. Taylor Powell gets intercepted by Jamal Peters. Next play, it's a thirty one yard touchdown to Devaris Daniels. So <laughs> the Argos were scoring so fast that they weren't even going to commercial in between touchdowns. That's like it was the craziest thing. There was like three kickoffs without even going to a, t- a, a commercial break. It yeah. was bizarre. Taylor Powell gets sacked before that, and then Javon Leak has a thirty two yard punt return. There's no yards on top of that. Of course, they didn't take it, but then. Uh, next play, Curly Gittens 20 yards, and then Andrew Harris gets the touchdown. So that first quarter was just pure dominance by the Argos. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taylor Powell didn't have much room to do anything, and then the uh, Ticats defense couldn't keep up with the energy that the Argos were bringing. Like, yeah, just dominance all around. If you look at Taylor Powell's numbers, he wasn't bad 30 of 42 296 yards the early interception hurts uh he had three touchdowns and i know there was a big garbage time drive at the end of the game which does pad the stats a a little bit there but they they couldn't get number nine going as consistently as they did against bc they couldn't control the clock like they did against bc uh, even though they did win the time of possession battle here, it's just that quick strike ability that the Argos have. You're on your heels, and if you can't keep up, you're you're falling behind fast. It it seems they they they've separated themselves from the weaker teams, and it's clear that Hamilton is just one of those teams at this point of the season. Even though. They went into BC and stole a win and kind of surprised most people. Yeah, but like we've been saying for the past few weeks, this this is the most any given Sunday league yeah. this year that this league has seen in a long time. So, yeah. uh, but it's it was a really fun it, for it being a blowout. It was just a fun game to watch because of the explosive offense, and and, and we're gonna. The amazing Stelly, AJ Olette had. Yeah, AJ Olette, a perfect passer efficiency rating. He had one my quarterback. One, 26 yards and the touchdown. So AJ Olette rushes for 79 yards, over six yards a carry, passes for 26 yards. What can't AJ Olette do? Do the 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 pro wrestler, the the rusher, the passer, and Thor with his hammer in the hammer, 
If that ain't a slap in the face, what is? Yeah, that's the the best penalty I think I've ever seen a player actually take because it was worth it. Uh, <laughs> top top ten celly of all time. It's yeah, got to be. Even though he got the ten yards for the excessive celebration, bringing out the Thor hammer, smashing it on the turf, and having the offense all fall down. And he's got Amazing. the Thor hair, brother. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's per- it's perfect. Like the only one I'm thinking right now that I think that probably tops is like the bobsled back in the day. That's good. That was a good one. The stamps uh, getting in the that, boat, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> some good ones. This one was yeah. crushing the beer. John got like oh, that. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 the goat for sure, for sure. But this is probably number two or three, I'd say. <laughs> There's been some great CFL mo. It's like the the refs like well, I have to f- throw the flag, but good job, yeah. buddy. Uh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Look, Chad Kelly, they popped 40 on the Ticats. He only had to throw for 201 yards. He actually threw two interceptions. But mm-hmm. 15 to 23, 201 yards and two touchdowns was enough to get the job done on Labor Day. And it helps that the Argos were just working in beauty field position all game long. And I guess that is the... Credit to Javon Leak. He had a 25-yard average on punt returns. He had one kick return for 36 yards. Dijon Brissett had a kick return for 21 yards. And when they take the ball away, the Argos make you pay at the end of the day. Boris Beatty, he, he kicked two field goals, but the rest are sevens. And that is... It sounds simple, <laughs> but it just seems like their drives don't stall. When, when they need to push one into the end zone, it can go to Kelly, it can go to Harris, it can go to Olette, and good luck stopping those guys. Yeah. Like, I think a lot of people thought it was fluky that they won the Great Cup last year, but they have, they're a team that has been built to win, and... They're just so fun to watch, man. So yeah. fun to watch. Uh, the Ticats didn't get a sack. Taylor Powell, on the other hand, was sacked five times. Uh, did lose a fumble as well. So, it, yeah, it was a tough day at the office, even though Tim White did have 110 yards and a touchdown. My Terry Godwin had uh, six catches, 50 yards, and uh, two TDs. There were plays made. But a loss on Labor Day like that, and now <laughs> a win by the Calgary Stampeders on Labor Day looks like that is going to be the race to the uh, East semifinal. Is it going to be yeah. Calgary? Is it going to be Hamilton? Is it going to be Edmonton or Ottawa? Well, <laughs> I don't know, man. I think Calgary has their sights set on Saskatchewan after this Labor Day game. But let's talk about it. Uh, the <laughs> my poor wife, <laughs> yeah. uh, Calgary winning thirty four thirty one. 
No, sorry, it's 35-31. The uh, Stampeders win, but they were trailing in this one. At halftime, the Edmonton Elks were leading 18-10, and then they were leading 28-13 going into the fourth quarter, and then it all kind of fell apart for Trey Ford and the Edmonton Elks. But not an epic collapse like... You know, throwing interceptions with your left hand or whatever it was like that. It was just the Elks weren't able to have enough long drives that the the Stamps D or the Elks O, they were gassed at the end of this one and they just could not make a stop. Jake Mayer looked like the guy that they want him to be when they let number 19 go to free agency. Yeah, well, he had a great second half. I don't think he was great in the first half. Like, but he, yeah, he's, he's kind of making me eat some throw a little bit here because the, he got it done the past couple games. Um, Yeah, I don't know. He's, he has amazing receivers and he's, he's threading the needle. Uh, yeah. Oh, I got that. Some of those throws he was making in the fourth were just Yeah. Wow. Uh Yeah, no, he's he 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 gets dialed in like he it's weird because when he's scrambling around and he's in under pressure, it, it, he can't seem to hit anything that he's looking for, but when he's when he's in the zone and when he has time and in the pocket, he's he's just picking up our defenses. So I guess the the if you're a defense playing him, your success depends on how often you blitz and getting pressure to him. But yeah, Edmonton's defense just got tired. Uh, but yeah, it just sucks because Trey Ford was amazing and just running around and. Uh, I think he is—he's the most exciting player in the CFL, right? Hundred percent. Like it's him and Chad Kelly, but but hundred percent. Like he, you you never ever you you you'll see him. You think he's getting sacked, and no, he just jukes, <laughs> he jives, he spins. Like it's it's incredible that one play where he was back like twenty five yards, and then he got like fifteen yards positive. Like just great for the league. It's just. Just such a shame that he didn't start playing until three weeks ago. And you know what kind of really pissed me off? Like you didn't see this, but this is at home. They had like Chris Jones sitting down, like in one of coming out of the commercial breaks, and he was talking so positively about Trey Ford when a month ago he was saying how crappy he was at practice and that's why he's not playing. Like it's just it's good to see Jones eat some crow, I guess, but it's just I've heard him say on the radio that he's not a good athlete. He's a great athlete. Like, really yeah. talking about yeah. that? I just feel bad for the Elks fans because maybe maybe that streak doesn't actually go all the way if he was in there earlier on and they they stuck with Cornelius so long. Like I said in the group chat today, I think Cornelius is the highest-paid short yardage quarterback of all time now. <laughs> Maybe but, the Elks are 2-0 and against the Riders instead of the other way around. 
Oh, very likely. Or at least like, one and one. Because the Riders didn't play lights out against them. <laughs> now, Trey Ford, <laughs> 11 carries, 135 yards, which is a record for Canadian quarterbacks in the Canadian Football League. He broke the great Russ Jackson's single-game rushing record by one yard. 134 yards, the great Russ Jackson did it, I think, in, I think, 1968. So it's a record that has stood for a long, long time. The passing in this one, he wasn't on his game uh, as much as I think we've seen. Uh, 14 to 23, 137 yards, and the touchdown still didn't turn the ball over, which uh, I think that is the biggest growing pains for young quarterbacks, the, the turnovers and limiting those. Trey hasn't run into that issue, uh, but some of the throws were off the mark in this one. I still think he makes up for it for being so exciting. They were talking to Kobe Williams of the Stamps uh, on the postgame show, <laughs> and they asked him, how do you defend a guy like Trey Ford? And he said, when you know, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he even talked about his conditioning. Like, and I, I do think in the fourth, Trey slowed down a bit. And yeah. who am I to judge? I, but there were a few times when uh, he ran, let's a hundred yards to gain forty or whatever. Oh yeah, I, and then the I, next yeah. play he did it again. So uh, maybe that's a thing that. Uh, He'll need to manage going forward, and the offense will need to manage going forward because that'll that'll tire anybody out. Yeah, well, and and they they had Judge spying him for most of the game, and you could tell like that one drive where Ford he must have had like sixty or seventy of his yards on that one drive, and you <laughs> you could see on TV like Judge was just. Like, wounded, like, and I crazy. guess that's the other way it'll wear the defense out, too. Yeah, oh, for sure. <laughs> but, but having said that, they obviously stuck with the spying, and it it seemed to work going on into the, the fourth quarter because they the coverage was there so that he wasn't able to get the balls to his receivers. Just, he's a different I, I wasn't. Person. He, he's a different runner than Crumb. Like, Crumb is yeah. all heart, I find. Like, he's like Rocky yeah. Balboa. He's north-south. <laughs> yeah, he's he's like north-south, just grinding out. But tr- he's more like Michael Vick, where he's just running around and just... <laughs> like, it's unbelievable. I honestly, keep man, away. <laughs> like, buy tickets to watch straight yeah. forward. I, I'm so yeah. glad I went to this Labor Day game to watch him play. I'm so glad I'm going to go to the rematch between the Stabs and the Elks because I think that is also going to be a great game to watch here. Uh, the, the thing is, is that just too many field goals for the Elks. Uh, they go three for three. Um. And then I, I felt that they went a little bit more conservative in the second half. Yeah. Um, they, they did, you know, extend the lead with field goals and didn't push it as much as uh, I thought maybe they should. But And then it did allow Calgary to come back 
into this game here, but Edmonton ended up uh, having some costly penalties. Uh, there was uh, the two pass interferences, the one that got reviewed. I guess we'll talk about that in a bit here. And it, those penalties did hurt the Elks. And all, let's face it, the Stamps also took some penalties here, and they easily could have lost the game. There was when they were right down to the goal line, basically, Diedrich Mills gets called for unnecessary roughness. The Stamps get pushed back, and they had to settle for four field goals themselves in this yeah. game. Renee Paredes going four for four on this one. And look, this game had points, but damn, those punters looked good. Um, and the coverage teams looked good. Jake Julian, his average was 55.6 yards for the Elks. Cody Grace averaged 51.5 yards. His long was 65. Julian had a 76-yarder. I think that must have been the one that was the rouge in this one. Like, this was a fun, fun game to watch. Although, (laughs) Stamps fans are pretty yappy at the beginning of the game. Uh, Elks fans, pretty yappy. I proudly wore my rider jersey in the McMahon Stadium. Why wouldn't I? The Riders just beat the Bombers, baby. (laughs) And I wasn't the only Rough Rider fan uh, wearing my jersey in McMahon Stadium. But I will say, if I ever, God forbid, lose my house or my wife kicks me out, I think I'll have free rent in McMahon Stadium because Rider fans live rent-free in Stamps fans' heads. I'm walking up the stairs. Go home, Riders. I'm like... I'm a winner today, baby. I just got here. I paid for my ticket. It's like, (laughs) and then Ralph the dog, the audacity of that canine. My wife and I sitting there enjoying the Labor Day classic, the smoky atmosphere, the cowbells ringing, the nachos with that cheese and that salsa and popcorn raining down so gently handful by handful and I turn around and it's Ralph the dog they grab that tongue <laughs> you can't get mad I was actually ready to like oh is this <laughs> and then you turn around and it's the mask oh okay okay <laughs> I'm like who's throwing popcorn at me <laughs> uh, it was funny there was a uh, Elks fan chirping me walking into McMahon and he's like you're at the wrong game buddy and at first I ignored him but then he like taps me on the shoulder you're at the wrong game buddy I'm like okay all right all right uh and I said hey I was at the game last night too man and then he says well today I hope you're cheering for the Elks and I said I was until you got lippy. So I guess I am pretty happy uh, for that guy uh, driving mm. home <laughs> from the Labor Day Classic. <laughs> yeah. I'll never understand it. Like, we need people in the stands. It doesn't matter what team you represent. If you're going to a game, you go to a game. There's there's people in Mosaic wearing Argo jerseys or I saw a like guy I, I yes, uh, in Calgary wearing a, or a girl wearing an Alouettes jersey. Yeah. Like Love it. it. Yeah, it's, it's what we need. But these drunk idiots at the game who 
chastise other people for wearing or having the audacity to wear a different uniform. Mm-hmm. It's just bad luck. But uh, I, like, I wasn't cheering for the Elks by any means, but I was definitely cheering against the Stampeders. <laughs> so it's pretty sad at the end of the game with that stupid pass right here. Now, uh, I, I will say the Stamps, they adjusted to the pressure uh, that the Elks defense was bringing. Um, you saw that uh, Ceresna was getting through. Uh, they, the the Stamps had a left tackle making his first career CFL start. I got to say, I, I don't know what they're doing letting Derek Dennis go, but Derek Dennis, friend of the show, he he looks like a guy that could help out the Stampeders, to be quite frank. Um, yeah. Ceresna was getting through. He was working double teams, and Mayer was under pressure uh, early and often in this one. And then as the game went on, they couldn't get home and they couldn't get to him. And they were sending extra guys and Mayer was picking them apart uh, yeah. because of that as as the game went on. So the Elks being unable to really sustain long drives that beat down a defense and uh, take away the flow and the a momentum and offense can gain that ended up being the big difference here. But when it was 21, 10 Edmonton and then 21, 13, then the Elks come and they have an eight play. And I will say this was a big drive. Uh, they didn't have as many long drives as I think they would have liked, but the eight play 70 yards, five minutes off the clock, Steven Dunbar gets hit for a touchdown. Stephen Dunbar ended up having two touchdowns in this one. There was a costly drop, though. And, uh, look, he didn't make it up with the two scores. Two for 24. So, I mean, if you're getting two catches and two touchdowns, you're doing all right. And Kyron Moore getting a touchdown pass, too. Yeah, perfect pass efficiency. So, look at this. Two Labor Day games on Monday, a receiver and a running back getting a – passing touchdowns to their name. Uh, I don't know. I think the Riders are going to have to try the old... Although, if they see Nick Marshall on offense, they're going to know what's up. They're not stupid. (laughs) And then the wheels just kind of fell off after that. Uh, This season, for as much criticism as Jake Mayer's been taking, there have been some costly drops from his receivers. But now that they've got Markeith Ambles back, Mark and Michelle back, and Reggie Bagleton doing what he does, having those veterans making big, tough catches in this one was a big one for the Stampeders in being able to pull off this comeback. Mm-hmm. And especially the yak, the the yak yards that uh, uh, Michelle was getting. Oh when yeah, he, like oh. unreal, like. <laughs> Yeah. So frustrating to watch when you're wanting him to lose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, After... like he, it's like he was coated in like oil and like, he was grab a hold of him. Like it was impressive. After uh, the Elks took that 28 uh, 11 lead, the or 13 lead, the Stamps answer back with an eight play, 63 yard drive of their own. But then the Elks kick a field goal. And they were starting to being able to have some rushing success with Kevin Brown as well. 
3120. And I guess that's where it all ended for the Elks. Uh, The Stamps get it. Seven plays, 70 yards, two minutes and 26 seconds. There was that pass interference called on uh, the Luther Hakanavanu. It was Bratton for the Elks. Ah, That one was legit, I I guess you could say. (laughs) And then the pass interference on the same drive in the end zone ends up getting challenged by Dave Dickinson. We've already talked about pass interference here today. But the ball's thrown behind the... I don't know. It it was not a good throw, really. Uh, He wasn't going to catch it, although he did say on the radio afterwards, I think Reggie would have caught it. They both jumped for it at the same time. I... Yeah, like, the defender got there a split second early, maybe. But, like, when you're slowing it down frame by frame to see if there's a penalty there, that it's just it, – it's it's a football play in the – it's it's like in hockey. Like, in, if you're in the playoffs, a penalty is probably not the same if you're the first game of the season, right? And maybe that's not right, but that's how it is. They they like, So if you're in the end zone, make sure it's a – Frickin' penalty before you throw the flag. It, it should be that simple, I think. Well, they didn't throw the flag, and then the challenge happened, yeah, and then no, they got no, I, yeah, true. Yeah, so, you're right. Yeah, sorry, but, but still, I the the, uh, the replay guy, like you gotta, it, it's got to be blatant for you to actually overturn that and say that there is a penalty when you you know that you're just giving an automatic touchdown to the other team when you do that. It's, I'm sure the Stamps fans are happy. That drive ended it's a penalty in a, to them. <laughs> that drive ended up in a Tommy Stevens touchdown. Um, and then Edmonton sent the house on the two-point conversion. Luther Hakanavanu catches it in the back of the end zone. And now the Stamps only trail by three. And here's where I was uh, i was puzzled at the Elks play calling on yeah. this ensuing drive. They get the ball with two minutes and 50 seconds to go. It's a three-yard gain for Kevin Brown. And then it's an incomplete pass to Dylan Mitchell. The Elks ate less than 20 seconds off of the clock on that drive and gave it back to Calgary with all the time in the world, and Jake Mayer picked them apart, man. The defense was right back on the field uh, after getting a 20-second in-game clock rest, and uh, we're back out there. There was uh, the big play to Reggie Bagleton, and the Elks had him. Third and six, Reggie, 25 yards. What a catch. That was, and then they just methodically worked down the field and it ended in a Diedrich Mills four-yard touchdown. Uh, Stamps take the lead 35-31, and that is the end of the game. The Labor Day Classic in Calgary, the Stampeders uh, overcoming a 31-13 deficit, was it? Or 28-13, they were down 15 points. The Stamps put up 22 in the fourth quarter to win that game at McMahon Stadium. And uh, 
I'm, I'm glad my wife, she was so tired. She, she was fast asleep by the time we were two blocks away from McMahon stadium and she's downstairs probably rolling her eyes at me right now. But, uh, that was, uh, quite the game. And I just wonder, let's see what happens for the stamps. If they can carry that fourth quarter into next week and the rest of the season, they've got the ability to do it. Um, as, as we've seen, Jake was making better decisions, although when he was going down and he tried that flip away, he got lucky. That was shades of Taylor Cornelius. We don't want to see Jake Mayer doing that. Stamps fans don't want to see Jake Mayer doing that. He didn't have a touchdown, but he had uh, 315 yards, 27 of 34, uh, three rushing touchdowns. Even Jake ran one in. From the five. That was right in front of us. I, I don't think the Elks defense were expecting Jake to run one into the end zone. Um, Kadeem Carey had nine carries for 55 yards, so over six yards a carry. Diedrich Mills had over seven yards a carry, so the, the Elks weren't able to stop the rushing attack of the uh, Stampeders. Uh, Mark and Michelle, 95 yards. Reggie Bagleton, six catches, 49 yards. Markeith Ambles, seven for 76. And then if you look at the, uh, the Elks, Kevin Brown, over seven yards of carry, 12 for 89. He, he was running well. Uh, Kyron Moore, three for 21. Dylan, the leading receiver is actually Gina Lewis, five for 55. And I feel like that'll have to be the game plan on Saturday, get the ball to 87 more and more and more. Make the Stampeders stop him. And, uh, yeah. like, it's exciting to watch your quarterback rush for 135 yards. It's not always the most like, ideal game plan. <laughs> right. Yeah. You have the best receiver in the league. You got to use him. You got to – he needs to get at least, you know, 10, 12, 15 targets a game. Like, you got to use him. Look, what would you rather, a uh, lackluster 45 minutes of football and a dynamite 15 minutes or the other way? Because I, I hear people say all the time, well, at least the finish was good. Okay, well, at least we didn't have 57 minutes of good football and three minutes of kneel downs at the end, you know? like <laughs> yeah, I'll take yeah, it coming right down to the wire, baby. Oh, yeah. Like, it's... The the Ryder game was a perfect example. Like it was, you know, like very conservative in the beginning and testing each other out. And so maybe that made it a little bit slower of a game, but the finish made it that classic Labor Day classic that everyone's looking for. So yeah, I think I think I'm a, a finish guy. Uh it happens in hockey too. It's, it's like why didn't you guys play like yeah. this the other 45 minutes of the game. <laughs> yeah, like, it's it's just momentum, like, and, and how quickly momentum can change and, yeah. and how teams can keep it going. But, like, it's been a really long time since I've been in the stands for, like, just a, a molly whopping. So I, I, I need to see one of those again where, like, 52 The Riders aren't winning that way. They're not winning that oh, way. Oh, I know, I know. Well, but they haven't, I should say. I know, but it's just... I'll take that game every day, but at the same time, that game's kind of boring too because yeah. it's it's like, oh yay, another touchdown. So yeah, no, <laughs> give me give me two lead changes in the last three minutes. Like, let's go. Like, yeah, it, yeah. 
better not good for my heart, that. but good times. Oh. <laughs> uh, we've talked far too much. That's okay. Uh, it was Labor Day, baby. It's a special weekend. And whenever I go to the game, I just experience it differently than watching on TV. Somebody on TV mm-hmm. may maybe say that the uh, first 45 minutes of the Bomber Rider game was boring, but to me, it was special. It was entertaining. It was loud. It was fun. I had so much fun in the stands sitting with you, uh, getting free chips, just crushing Cool Ranch Doritos. Like, I had a blast there. So uh, yeah. that's why it's always better in the stands. Nothing's better on TV, man. Yeah, it, it just it just never is. Um, CFL Podcast Fantasy League, I'm not going to look. I am going to guess I got a win. I had 146 points. This week, uh, although the CFL fans fight cancer league, I'm glad it's taking overall points into effect. I'm second overall in total points for the season, but I haven't won a single week. And this week, I lost by one. I needed one more catch to Kadeem Carey. I needed the stamps to give it the 35 on the goal line. But no. <laughs> They didn't. I was against Superman Fike uh, from the Turf District podcast. I'm just assuming that I won. No offense, Superfan or Superman. Uh, tough loss on Labor Day. Tough loss uh, against me as well. <laughs> and you had 119 points. That might be a career high for you. Yeah, it, it, for sure this year. I don't know what I got. I can't remember what I got last year. But, yeah, it's. Vernon Adams was a good captain this week. Yeah, he was. 55.8 points for uh, both of us. This coming weekend, we've got the Super Saturday CFL triple header, including two Labor Day rematches, Riders, Bombers, Stamps, Elks, and then uh, Ticats, uh, Red Blacks on Friday night, and also Alouettes and Argos. That wraps up Labor Day weekend in the Canadian Football League. If you do want to yell at either of us, 2andout.ca, click mailbag or tweet at Sheldon Jones 83 Don't tweet me. Come on, bring it. (laughs) Thanks for staying up late, brother. This is the latest you've been awake since last Sunday. So, uh, (laughs) thanks, man. As my wife said on Twitter, this is the third day in a row I've been up past 8.30. So. Living large, yeah. living large. Oh, tomorrow is going to suck. <laughs> Later, man. Later. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.